Because when the Quran is the kalam of Allah, when the Quran is a sifat, an attribute of Allah, then the more and more we are connected to that Arabic Quran, the more intimate we are with the Arabic Quran, it means automatically then the more and more we will be intimately close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. And the easiest way for us to start, perhaps, again, those of us who are very much beginners on this journey, is to start listening to more Qur'an. And we should try, alhamdulillah, we live in a day and age where almost everybody has some type of phone that is an MP3 player or iPhone or iPod. or We have computers and internet all the time. You can download so many wonderful Qadi's recitations of the Qur'an al-Kareem within minutes or with, from the internet. And so we should try to start listening more and more to Qur'an. That is the easiest way that we can increase our interaction with the Arabic of the Qur'an. And my own personal recommendation to our listeners is that we should try to listen to those Qadi's who have been very firm about sticking to the rules of Tajweed because when they recite Quran according to each and every rule of Tajweed then that, that recitation is the closest to the Kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. and the two Qari's I normally recommend for this are either Qari Hussari or Qari Manshawi and when you listen to the recitation that they have of Quran more and more and more then you will find the Qur'an al-Kareem entering your heart. And especially with these two Qadis, because they recite so flawlessly, then you will find the Qur'an al-Kareem finds a way into your memory. And one very easy way to do this initially is to listen to one surah over and over again. And even the whole modern music industry is all about trying to design a melody and a harmony that will be attractive enough that a person will want to listen to it over and over again. And when they listen to it over and over again, it imprints, it imprints itself on the memory of that person. Actually, it imprints itself on the very being of that person. And, we need, and they understood this because they saw that the human being had been made by Allah spawned on such a way that those things that we listen to that have some type of tempo or some type of beat or some type of pattern to it and when we listen to those things repeatedly then those things that we listen to become imprinted on our being they use that for their modern music industry when actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created human beings in this way so that they would listen to the Quran al-Kareem over and over again and the best way to do this maybe at the very initial level is to pick one surah let's say surah al-Mulk or maybe even any other surah in the 29th or 30th juz, a relatively smaller size surah, and to listen to it over and over again. Even if you don't know Arabic, you don't understand a word of being what is being recited. But to just keep listening to it through some good kai like I said, Husari or Minshawi. And to keep listening to it over and over and over and over again. You will find within a few times of listening to it that it's going to stick in your head. It's going to make its way into your heart. And this is going to be of such incredible spiritual power because once we even vaguely, we may not be able to memorize that surah by listening to it, but vaguely a few words, the pattern and tempo of that recitation will stick in our heart 
that you will find that it will now want to keep our heart away from sin. So much so that you will even find that there may be a time that when we are inclining ourselves towards sin, we are contemplating sin, thinking of sin, remembering sin, yearning for sin, all of a sudden this memory of that Quranic recitation, that Arabic tilawat, will come to the forefront. And it will push away all of our temptations and inclinations to do sin. That is what we mean by the spiritual power of the Quran al-Karim. And then, the more and more we listen to it, then what's going to happen is slowly you're going to want to recite along. Again, you still won't know what it means, what you're saying, if you don't know Arabic. But you're going to want to recite those words along with that recitation. Then what you do is you try to mimic and parrot and identically copy the way that that Qari is reciting it. And then if you can do that, and you are able to recite that, then you will have a desire to memorize it. Then when you have that desire, and you've memorized it, especially at an older age, older meaning any time from 20 onwards, then you will have a desire to use this newly memorized surah in salah. And a lot of the problem that a lot of us have is that we have remained constant in our level of tafiz, we have remained constant in our level of hifs, rather, of the Qur'an. We have been at a static in how much Qur'an we have memorized. But when you memorize something additional, something new, then now you will want to enjoy reciting that new surah that you have learned and memorized because you listened to it so many, so many times, then you started sight-reading along with it, and then gradually you kept listening, kept sight-reading, that you ended up memorizing it, you will want to recite this surah in salah, inside your prayer. Then that will make you a person more of prayer, and that will make you enjoy the prayer even more. Then you may want to then look up the tarjama and tafsir of the surah. You may want to read five, ten different tafsirs of the surah, and you will want to understand deeply the meanings of the surah. And this is really the journey that a person is supposed to make with the Qur'an al-Karim. This is the first journey. And if for some reason we don't know basic tajweed, we don't know the basic rules of recitation, then we have to also start preferably with a teacher, but if for some reason a person does not have accessibility to a teacher, then through tapes and CDs and books and recordings and etc., trying to learn the basic methods and rules of pronouncing the Qur'an al-Karim correctly. All of this is done for many reasons, but I'm stressing it tonight because this is done as part of our purification, because this is going to be done as part of increasing our connection with the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which will inevitably increase our connection directly with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is so easy to do. If you look at the beginning, the beginning is just listening. And it's amazing, you know, that how distant many of us, especially our youth, have become from the Qur'an al-Kareem, is that we don't listen to Qur'an other than maybe the Qur'an that we hear in the masjid if we are fortunate enough to pray in jama'ah, if we pray in the congregation, but other than that, we're not really listening to any additional Qur'an. And listening, again, is so easy that all a person has to do is download. All you have to do is download, and you will have enough Qur'an that you will be able to listen to. So we have to start listening to the Qur'an more and more. And the second thing is that a person wonders, okay, 
Now that is going to put me in contact and connection with the Arabic Quran, with the Kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what about the teachings of the Quran? What about the meanings of the Quran? What about the contents of the Quran? How am I going to get purified? How am I going to do my tazkiyah by means of the knowledge of Quran? And this is a mistake to think that this is going to be done through a cover-to-cover reading of the translation of the Quran. But rather, from classical times up to contemporary times, the non-specialist, the non-scholar, was able to access and learn the knowledge of the ilm of the Qur'an through what we call bayan. And bayan means that a past scholar, either through a writing or a text or an audio or a living scholar, through a book or through a speech or through a talk, is going to do bayan of the Qur'an. And by bayan of the Qur'an means that they're going to explain the Qur'an al-Kareem to us. They're going to present and explain the knowledge, contents, and teachings of the Qur'an al-Kareem to us. And the way the classical ulama used to do this was topic-wise. So, for example, you look at Imam al-Ghazali's masterpiece work, Ihya al-Muddin, in that Imam al-Ghazali, Ihya al-Muddin, is taking one topic after another after another, and then presenting all of the teachings of the Qur'an and ayat of the Qur'an on that topic, along with and integrated with many ahadith and sunnah from the Prophet ﷺ on that topic, and explaining that and linking that in a way that directly hits the heart of a person. The, the reason that this is so much more beneficial to us in this current modern age is because the vast majority of us may have had access to a modern education. And in our educational system, the way we study is we study topic-wise. We study subject-wise. And because we study different subjects and topics, that is a way of learning that we are more familiar with and therefore we are going to quicker and better learn something if it is presented to us topic-wise. So, for example, you can pick up a book or listen to a talk on the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that you will be presented bayan. You will be presented with the different ayahs of the Qur'an al-Kareem that talk about the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah ta'ala's love for the believers. Then that will be integrated with hadith from the Prophet on the concept of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that may also be integrated with different explanations that different scholars of this ummah have given about the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you will be able to get closer to the teaching of the Qur'an that a mu'min should love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the believers are extreme in their love for Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will be able to get to that teaching by listening to a topical presentation on this topic. As opposed to if you were to read the Qur'an al cover to cover, you would find these things scattered throughout the Qur'an. It would have less of an impact on our hearts. Then perhaps a person wonders, well, you know, obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who revealed the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the being who decided where to place the verses in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the being who has decided where to place different topics in the Qur'an. So surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have decided that in the best of ways. Now yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided that in the best of ways, but only a person who goes very deep into study of the Qur'an can appreciate that best of ways. What do I mean by this? I'll give you an example. That you see in the Qur'an al-Kareem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has scattered topics. So all of the ayahs of, let's say, nikah or marriage are not gathered together. 
all of the teachings of zakat are not necessarily gathered together. They are mentioned in more than one place in the Quran. There's a reason for that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did that for a particular reason. And I'll give you an example of taking the story of Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam. So the parts of the story of Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam are in Surah Baqarah, parts are in Surah Alaf, parts are in other surahs. And sometimes a person wonders, and why did Allah subhanahu wa put all of the pieces of the story together? The reason Allah subhanahu wa has split up, according to the scholars of Tafsir, some certain stories or certain topics, is by, because by doing so, Allah subhanahu wa highlights each, the lessons of each and every aspect of that story or that event or that teaching independently. For example, whenever Allah subhanahu wa mentions a part of the story of Sayyidina Adam that story will take place in a context, there will be some ayahs about something else preceding it, and there will be some ayahs about something else following it. This is what we call the mahal or the siyak and sibak of that ayah. And that part of the story of Adam Islam is particularly highlighted due to those surrounding ayahs. And other parts of the story of Adam Islam are better highlighted through having other surrounding ayahs. And other parts of the story of Sayyidina Adam Islam are yet again better highlighted through having yet again other surrounding ayahs. And that is why Allah wants to split this story up in different places. And just like that, the flip side of this is also true, that those other ayahs are also communicating certain teachings. Those teachings benefit from having the story of Sayyidina Adam Islam come after it or before it. There is yet another set of teachings that benefit from having another particular aspect of the story of Adam Islam come before it or after it, etc. So this is the power that Allah subhanahu wa put in the Qur'an al-Kareem by spreading out different topics throughout the Qur'an and a person who can tap in that power and through tafsir, through ijtihad, that power is tapped into in order to make the Qur'an a living book for all times and for all places. But for the person who is a beginner, who is not able to unlock that power, who is unable to intertextualize, to do the seed of the Qur'an via the Qur'an, etc., then for that person it's easier and quicker and sometimes maybe even better for them to get the teachings and the ilm and the knowledge and the content of the Qur'an through the different topical presentations and books and lectures that the ulama past and living continue to provide about the knowledge of the Qur'an al-Kareem. So that is the way in classical times and up till now it was recommended for the non-specialist, non-scholar to get ilm of the Qur'an. And that is the way the vast majority of Muslims have gotten their knowledge. For example, if somebody says that, yes, I know about Akhirah, I know about the hereafter, I know about the Day of Judgment, it's not because they went through the Qur'an cover to cover and have read those ayahs about the Akhirah, about the hereafter, about the Day of Judgment, but because at some point in their life, somebody made a topical presentation to them about these concepts, drawing on and mentioning and quoting verses from the Qur'an and hadiths of the Prophet ﷺ, and that is how we got the ilm of those teachings of the Qur'an. And that is what it means when Allah SWT says in the Qur'an that the Qur'an is easy. That the, that the Qur'an is easy for dhikr. And that dhikr means nasihat or advice or counsel or getting advice and counsel from it or for memorizing it. So that part of the Qur'an is easy. And it's that part of the Qur'an that we should first, as a beginner, identify ourselves with. 
Later on, if a person proceeds on this journey and becomes stronger in their deen, then they may indeed embark on a study of the cover-to-cover tarjama translation and commentary of the Qur'an under a qualified scholar who can guide them on that journey and who can explain the Qur'an cream to them. But initially, a person may be better placed in taking a direct approach by trying to directly understand the topics of the Qur'an. So there are two things we mentioned thus far. Number one is to try to increase our interaction with the Arabic of the Qur'an through listening to it more and then to trying to recite it more in the Arabic. And second is to try to increase our knowledge of the contents of the Qur'an by using the books written by the ulama across centuries precisely to give us those knowledge and teachings of the Qur'an but organized around particular subjects and topics. The third thing is that the third spiritual benefit of the Qur'an al-Karim is that as and as we get closer to the Qur'an, we will become closer to Sahib al-Qur'an. As and as we become closer to the Qur'an, we will become closer to the Sunnah of Nabi al-Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is a big thing that we've missed, but sometimes for some of us, the reason that we're distant from the Sunnah is because we're distant from the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on the Quran, manna Allahu al-mu'mineen, that verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his special grace and favor on the believers, is ba'atha fihim rasulam min anfusihim, that when he sent to them a nabi, a prophet from their own selves, a fellow human, to do what? Number one, liyatlu alayhim ayatihi, so that that nabi may recite to them the verses of revelation. It means the tilawat of the Qur'an, the tilawat of the Arabic Qur'an, the recitation of the Arabic Qur'an is an asal, original, essential function of the Prophet And if we're distant from an asal part of his nabuat, if we're distant from a main feature of his prophethood, which is recitation of the Arabic Qur'an, then we are going to be distant from his prophethood. How can we be distant from his asal but be close to him? How can we be distant from Qur'an and be close to Sahib Qur'an? So the more and more close we get to the Qur'an, the more and more close we will get to the Prophet ﷺ, the more love we will have for the Prophet ﷺ. And then that will bring us closer to the rest of the Sunnah. So the closer we are to Qur'an spiritually, through listening to it, through reciting it, through having a love for it, then the closer we will become to having a love to all of the other aspects of the Nabut of the Prophet, this second thing, Taskiyah, where you Zakihim, and third, the Tarjuman Tafsir of the Quran, where you Allahumma al Kitab, or Hikmata, the Tarjuman Tafsir of the Quran and Hadith. All of these things are going to happen more if we are more connected to the recitation of the Arabic Quran al and many times I've seen in young men, and maybe even young, maybe the, the same case for the young women, that those who are regular in Quran, even if they listen to 20, 30 minutes of Quran a day, or they read 10 to 15 minutes of the Arabic Quran a day, that daily tilawat, that daily recitation, saves them, saves them from sin. When they go into ignorance, the Qur'an reminds them of the way of knowledge. When they go into sin, the Qur'an comes up and reminds them of the way of piety. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make it easy, said explicitly, 
that you should do recitation of whatsoever you find easy in the Quran al-Kareem, of whatever amount that you find easy in the Quran al-Kareem, but we are asked to do recitation. And so if we can do this amal at least of listening to recitation, then reciting along with that recitation, or and or learning the science of Tajweed or practicing our Quran recitation, then we will become closer to the Arabic Quran. And becoming closer to the Arabic Quran is going to make us closer to Nabi salam. And then for tarjuma and tafsir, for translation, meanings, and explanations, we can take initially at least the topic-wise approach and think that we are clearly getting the teachings of the Qur'an by reading the books of the scholars which have expounded upon different topics mentioned in the Qur'an. But another thing that Allah SWT mentions in the Qur'an al-Kareem is that it is going to be a book of hidayah for the people of taqwa. But otherwise it also is a huda, it's a guidance for the nas, for all of humanity. So basically the Qur'an has been sent as a book of guidance to humanity, but those human beings who are going to be able to receive that are going to be those who are people of taqwa, i.e. those people who abstain from sin, who submit to that hidayah. Or another ayah says that the Qur'an is indeed a good counsel and admonishment for that person who has a talib, for that person who has a spiritual heart. So the next thing we have to do then, or actually this would be the first thing we would have to do, to make sure we do benefit and get that hidayah from the Qur'an, and that hidayah penetrates deep into the core of our heart, is that we have to adopt some taqwa. Maybe we cannot initially overnight become a person of complete taqwa, but a person should make this niyat, this intention in their heart, that if I want to reconnect myself to Qur'an, I have to do something more in my taqwa. And that could be so simple or so initial as leaving one sin. And I'm sure that anyone who would be listening to us now would be a person who could leave one sin. So if we think that if we leave one sin at a time, so we start by identifying one sin that we can leave. When we leave that sin for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that means that we went up one notch in taqwa. We got some drop of taqwa, some moment of taqwa, some space of taqwa in our heart. Now then we should then listen to the Qur'an al-Kareem and make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, now I left this one sin for you, and now I'm listening to the Qur'an and or reciting the Qur'an, the Arabic Qur'an. I want your mercy to enter my heart. I want your marifat, your intimate knowledge to enter my heart. So if we do that, then the Qur'an, by listening to the Qur'an al-Kareem, it will enter our heart. And the more and more Qur'an we listen to and recite, the closer we will become to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it may take some moment of taqwa, some action of taqwa, some statement of taqwa to get us jump-started on this process. So this is the way, the, this is why the Mashaikh of Tizkiyah used to stress to their students that they should recite the Qur'an on a daily basis. That we should have daily tilawat, and this is an almost universal practice amongst the people of Tasawwuf. Even though it's nothing, it's not farz, it's not wajib. But they do it ihtimam, or they're so cautious about guarding these nafil amal, because they see that their tazkiyah and their purification lies in these extra actions of worship, these voluntary acts of worship. So tazkiyah can be done through listening to the Qur'an al-Kareem, would be done through reciting the Arabic of the Qur'an al-Kareem, 
and Tazkiyah can also be done later on by learning the translation and commentary of the Quran Kareem. But the Quran Kareem has a very important role to play in Tazkiyah. And the next thing, sometimes a person asks, that, okay, if I should be reciting Quran or listening to Quranic recitation, then shouldn't that be preferred to the other zikr that I've been asked to do or the other zikr that I've heard about doing? So here you have to understand the Quran Kareem is very holistic. And in that, Allah subhanahu wa mentions a whole series of different ibadat. Tilawat is one, reciting Durood Salawat is another, making Dua is another. So let's just take these three things, Dua, Durood, and Tilawat. All of these are three uses of the tongue. Now we're not going to say because the Qur'an is the Kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, therefore this person should only recite Qur'an, they should not recite Durood and Salawat, salutations and blessings on the Prophet and they should not use their tongue for Dua. Or if I was to say that the best du'a is just to recite the Qur'an, so instead of making du'a, you should just recite the Qur'an. So that would actually be negating, and even in some sense, maybe even abrogating certain teachings of the Qur'an itself by changing the meanings and making it so exclusivist that the only amal that a person can do is tilawat. The benefits of doing other types of spoken zikr, so durood and salawat, that itself is following the ilm of the Qur'an, the teachings of the Qur'an. And making du'a is also something that is a teaching of the Qur'an. What about these other types of dhikr that may themselves not be mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah? Should I be doing those types of dhikr or should I simply just be reciting Qur'an? But what happens here is that those many times those additional dhikrs, those additional nafil ibadat are being prescribed to a student to help them fix their Qur'an and fix their salah. By fix we mean to make to help them make their hearts present in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they are doing tilawat and reciting Quran, to make their hearts present in the zikr remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they are reciting Durud Sharif, when they are reciting Durud and Salawat, salutations and blessings on the Prophet. So it's to increase the quality of those other vocal ibadat, recitation of Quran making and praying du'a and recitation of durood and salawat, that some branches of the sawaf then focus. To increase the quality of that, they focus on a person developing the ability of their heart to remember Allah by doing additional exercises that train the heart in this remembrance. And the more and more our heart is trained to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala outside of ibadat, i.e. outside of tilawat, outside of du'a, etc., outside of durood, then the more and more our heart will be able to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inside that salah, inside that du'a, and inside that durood. And this is why then the Mashaykh, in addition to prescribing a daily recitation of an amount of the Qur'an that a person can identify and start with and sustain and continue to add to, in addition to that, they tell their students that they should do certain zikr asghar, certain nawafil, certain voluntary optional amal, certain voluntary optional methods of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? The person says, why? They have that person as Quran. Why would he need to do any other type of zikr? Well, number one answer, like I already said, because the Quran itself mentions istighfar, durud and salawat, and dua, and toba, all as amals and actions that the moment is supposed to do with their tongue. And another reason is that the most important zikr that we're trying to do, other than reciting the Qur'an, is the zikr of 
training our heart to remember Allah, which is the silent zikr. And in that silent zikr of the heart, we're trying to make, in a sense, if you will, to make our heart go one-on-one with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to forget every single thing in this world and use our heart exclusively for the remembrance of Allah. And that is done alongside with Qur'an because that also softens a person's heart for Qur'an. That also makes a person more of taqwa. And because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Qur'an that this Qur'an contains a nasiyat for that person who has a kalb, who has a heart in them. So making effort on the heart can also be interrelated back to the Qur'an that the more and more we work to purify our hearts, the more and more the knowledge and the teachings of Qur'an will enter into our hearts. So these are the ways then that the students of Tazkiyah should try to focus on the Qur'an. We should be listening more to the Arabic Qur'an, trying to recite more the Arabic Qur'an, and then if we're able to get formal instruction under a qualified scholar in translation and commentary, well and good. Otherwise, what we would want then, we would try to learn the content and teachings of the Qur'an by studying the books or listening to the talks, by someone who is presenting the major topics of Islam and including the teachings of the Quran and Hadith in there. And then we said that the more and more we listen to it, the more we would recite along with it, the more we would remember it, the more we would want to recite those verses of Quran in our Salah. And the most, perhaps most importantly, is that the more and more the Quran enters our awareness and the more and more it enters our heart, then it will keep us away from sin. It will be a nur that will take us out from ignorance into knowledge. It will be a nur that will take us out from sin when we fall into it, into righteous action. It is a nur that will take us out of laziness when we fall into it, into being proactive and dynamic. So this is the purpose of the this is the purpose of today's talk on the nur of the Quran and trying to access that nur of the Quran in this process of tazkiyah. May Allah Ta'ala enable each and every one of us to have ears that listen to the Quran regularly, to have eyes that look upon and gaze upon the Quran fondly, to have tongues that are moist with the remembrance and the recollection and the recitation of the Quran al-Karim regularly. And may we open up our hearts and our minds for the true understanding of Quran, and may open up our hearts to become true followers of the Quran. Wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.